0: We really need to put out these messages of hope because a lot of the stuff we're seeing at the moment is the doom and gloom and it kind of makes us think it's too late. So that's why we need to speak to our children and we need to speak to them in these hopeful tones. We need to frame our language and say, if we do act on this, this is how it's going to be better.
1: You're listening to Hope Act Thrive by Be The Future, an inspirational podcast for guardians of the next generation who want to nurture heroic leaders for environmental change.
2: Just like you, we want to create a better, greener, fairer future for the kids in our life.
1: Hi, I'm Sally Giblin, an environmentalist, writer, and parent, and co-host of this podcast, alongside the brilliant Helen Hill. Hi,
2: I'm Helen, and I'm an educator, author, and designer. Hello and welcome to the Hope, Act, Thrive podcast. Today's episode is with Jo Watson, a freelance copywriter, editor and trainer hired by people who want personality in their project. She's a speaker, contributor and someday author, if only she could get that book written. Despite having fancy letters after her name as a chartered manager, she remains a lover of swearing, sarcasm and puns. She also makes a lot of inappropriate jokes, which is one of the many reasons she left a stable career in teaching in her mother's words. Jo has an infant daughter Lily and is starting to feel the immense downside of raising a confident independent female. Jo's keen to leave a legacy for her little girl that shows the power words can have and how they can be a positive force for change in the world we live in. In this conversation we'll be talking about the power of words as a force for change and raising kids that care for the planet. So let's get into our conversation. Welcome to the podcast Joe.
0: Good morning Helen and morning morning, Sally.
2: Fabulous, so to get us started, something we are quite um, intrigued about is on the subject of powerful words, you recently wrote a poem called Bloody Julia Donaldson (laughs) and sent it to her, the world famous beloved children's (laughs) author. So we really want to know about this, can you tell us about the poem or you know even read out to us and tell us what (laughs) happened with this, how did she respond?
0: Okay, so the, the scenario with this is that um, I'm I'm a writer, obviously, for other people, and um, I wanted to write my own book. And I wanted to do what you did, Helen, and um, write a business book. And that's something that I'm working on. And I yeah. will get around to it. I will do it at some point. But then as a way of distracting myself, I was like, you know what? It'll be so much easier to write a children's book instead. I mean, like how how hard can something like the Gruffalo be? <laughs> that kind of thing. Because in my mind, if it's only got a few words, it's going to be really easy to write <laughs> how wrong I was. So um, I... I thought I'm gonna, gonna have a bit of a mess around writing like a, a what what are they called are they called picture books when they when they rhyme and stuff like that so yeah so I'm gonna have a go at one I'm I'm good with with a bit of the old poetry I'll I'll write a children's book and every time I tried to write something I'd get really excited about it and then I thought oh God, bloody hell this already exists doesn't it and then I thought it's one of bloody Julia Donaldson's. So I'd have this like cracking idea for a story. And then I think, no, she's already written it. Because I know everyone always thinks she's just like responsible for the Gruffalo. She's written like a million of the damn things. And if you can think of a topic uh, that kids would want to read about and have a a rhyme based story or moral to get involved in, bloody Julia Donaldson's already written it. So (laughs) I ended up writing a poem frustrating my anger (laughs) at bloody Julia Donaldson and that's what I called it and so I I wrote this poem and yeah I (laughs) I sent it to her wondering if it was just going to be career suicide on every level but I thought oh gone, it'll be a bit of a giggle won't it and uh, and it it turns out yes it was a bit of a giggle and Julia herself thought it was fun so I, I can if you if you don't mind the croaky voice because as you both know this is about 3 hours before I usually get up. <laughs> yeah. <same. laughs> I'm just doing this. I can read it to you if you like. Yeah, that would be amazing. Please do. Okay. All right. And I need you both to know how privileged you are with this. Yeah. I know I know Helen is used to me saying things like that too I'm like how privileged you are that I'm sharing <laughs> this bottle of wine with you Helen. Um, <laughs> but I I wrote this and then um, I didn't publish it for people. So everyone was like, oh, my God, tell us the poem. And I thought, no, I don't want to. <laughs> oh. I, don't, I don't want to. It's mine. Uh, I just want to tell you how wonderful I am. I don't want you to actually read it. So you guys are actually getting the first ever reading of it. So world this- premiere. <laughs> it? out, it's awful. <laughs> <This> <laughs> she, is was
2: amazing. Amazing.
0: she was just kind of um, humoring me. But OK, so here we go. Uh, When I sit down to write my first children's book, it's clear to see that I'm cursed. There are no new ideas, just frustrated tears. Bloody Julia had them all first. When I dream up a fable of a mythical beast where a little brown mouse can outrun it, I cut short our trek through that deep dark wood. Bloody Julia's already done it. When I picture that wood where that beast has a child with adventure a wonderful thirst, I can forget about snakes and gruffalo cakes. Bloody Julia birthed the child first. When I think up a yarn about dragons and quests and I know just how I'll position it, I can scrap ever winning a golden star. Bloody Julia's already written it. When I swirl up a story of perils at sea and friendships that weather the worst, I must cast away tales of snails and of whales. Bloody Julia got there first. When I craft out a verse of a man made of sticks, who gets lost but is sure to come through it, I can bugger off home to the family tree. Bloody Julia's beaten me to it. When I spell out a plot about room on a broom and with a witch and a cat at the ready, I can forget about dogs and birds and frogs. Bloody Julia's done it already. I think of this writer of beautiful books and the smiles that she brings through her verse. And I write out this homage in the hope I won't find Bloody Julia's written it first. What do you reckon, Kai?
2: It's <laughs> absolutely amazing.
1: I, I love, love it. it. I love it. And she's Aww. just such a superstar. You've perfectly captured it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'll get it. I mean, like I said, she's written a million. Of yeah. things, And they're just like, what, ten that have have gone for. So The Gruffalo, Gruffalo's Child, Stick, Man, Snail and the Whale. Um, essentially all the ones that they've made into these wonderful uh, mm. productions on, on TV so the kids can can <laughs> enjoy them visually as well as audibly. And they are cracking. They're so, so good. Uh, but, yeah, I sent this to her. I think I, I bought her a card and I, I printed out the poem and just sent it to her. And I think it was about a month later, right, on how I was so annoyed at my other half for this. So I was out working. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon and I was due to be with my client till about six and I got a text from Stee my other half and it was like oh my god you you have to come home and then it was like a smiley face and I thought well no <laughs> you know I can't can't come home because you've thought of a wonderful joke that you want to share about me or because you you know you've thought of a you've, you've seen something on YouTube Stee and you think it's worth interrupting my day for because that's the kind of thing he would do um, you'd be like, Oh, look at this video of a, of a duck with a hat on that I found on YouTube. Um, this is worth you know leaving your clients and coming home for. And I was like, no, I can't come home see I'm working. And he sent me a picture and it was an envelope covered with like Gruffalo stickers. And he was like, it's got to be her. It's got to be her. It's got to be Julia. She's written back to you. So for the next four hours, I was just totally disinterested in what I was doing with my client because I couldn't focus at all. Um, And I told my client this, by the way, I basically said to him, I couldn't care less what we're talking about (laughs) right now. I think I may have some important mail when I get home. Um, So, yeah, got home, opened it up and it was a lovely postcard. And uh, with uh, with you know very Julia inspired drawings on it and all that. I don't know if it was Axel who done the drawings, but you could tell it was very much Julia centric. And she'd handwritten this postcard, and it just said, "Joe, thank you so much for writing to me. Uh, Your poem absolutely made me howl." And I thought, "Oh well, thank God." You know, thank God she hasn't opened this lovely note with my lawyers will be in (laughs) touch. But here are some lovely stickers for your daughter (laughs) because she had included some. I said, it made me howl. And what I thought was wonderful was the fact that she actually gave me an example from her her own experience of this. So she said uh, she remembered dreaming up this wonderful story about um it was like a version of cinderella but it was an elephant who was involved in it because of course she uses a lot of animals doesn't she and she said she was absolutely gutted to find that the cinder elephant <laughs> was already a thing and so i loved that she shared that she'd had that same struggle with me i thought it was absolutely wonderful and then uh, she said you're a really good writer i do hope you'll you'll continue to keep writing and that just that was just amazing. It really was. All is forgiven, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be
2: fair, she's totally crackers herself, isn't she? She. I, I watched the program on BBC or some. I can't remember what it was at Christmas, and it was. she's got a, br- a great personality, so she was bound to take it the
0: right way. I oh, no. but yeah. I, know, I mean, yeah, she's clearly mental because we watched that, and and I thought, wow, this this woman is crazy in all the best ways Yeah, I think you have to be doing the you know the job she's doing and yeah and it's just yeah I, I was I loved it I thought like I said even though she'd said oh you know you're a good writer and everyone who I showed had picked up on that going oh my god you know the, the world's best children's author has said you're a good writer yeah. Like for me the the biggest thing was that she'd shared something of herself with me she shared that same frustration that there was already someone out there who'd taken a good idea yeah
2: I mean this is totally off track from what we were going to what I was going to ask you now but um it's something that me and Sal talked about because we're developing some books in the background for be the future and yeah. we had that conversation of Always, oh, this too much, Julia Donaldson. And has this been done? Haven't we? We we discussed that at one point. But actually, the the premise behind stories, a lot of the structure is repeated. Yes, isn't it? So
0: of course it is. It's yeah. that familiarity, isn't it? You know, we like themes that we can easily draw into. I mean, we like them as adults. Of course, kids are going to like it, and that's that's how they remember it. That's how it sticks in their head, and that's why they just repeat it to you twenty million times a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's there it's gone in hasn't it and and it is it is wonderful stuff but yeah bloody julia
2: so to actually ask you a question that we were intending <laughs> so what power do you believe words can have then because i mean we've touched on it there but um particularly you know when it comes to the environment and dealing with our kids what what power do you think words
0: can have well i think although we live in a world where social media is taking over our lives, a lot of what we see is just filler. It is just content that is there for the sake of filling white space or to create white noise, more specifically. Um, But I think when, when used correctly, when used appropriately, words are so powerful because they've got that power to evoke a feeling or some kind of response or hopefully action you don't want people to you know going back to social media you don't want people to like what you've said you want them to engage in a conversation about it you want them to share it you want them to go and tell other people about what you've said because you want them to feel inspired to to do something and I think words do have that power because people will remember them and uh, if you know if, if you have used them correctly, and it, it's like I know this seems like it's belittling it, but if I was to ask you to think of your favorite film, you would probably be be able to ream off a load of quotes from it, or things that that a character has said. You know, something powerful, something funny, uh, something that that resonates. And and that's the thing; they do stay in our heads. They get into our hearts. They get into our heads. And if we're repeating those strong messages out to others, then then we just don't know who we're, we're inspiring to, to act on things. So they do have immense power. And that is why um, I, I just I get I get so sick of social media because I do think people are just filling the space for the sake of it. And I'm there thinking, no, if you've got a voice, you should be using it because you. You know, we've we've got this power to to make people feel something, make people do something. And wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, you know, when um to to fit in with what you guys are doing, you know, someone might share something about what they've done in in doing their part for climate change or the environment. And you don't want people to like it and go, Yay, well done. You want people to say, Oh my god, I never thought of it like that. Um, right, I should be doing that. I am gonna go and go and do that. We want our words to have enough power so that it actually inspires action. And that's hopefully what I'm I'm trying to do um, in, in what, what I do. And I think we've all got the power to do it if we just give our content a little bit more thought, if that makes sense, Helen.
1: I love what you're saying there. And I think that's so true about really trying to make people stop and think yeah. and, you know, stop scrolling and actually engage with something. And I guess... Something on top of our minds. So there's um, this incredible woman called Catherine Hayhoe, who's often called one of the best climate communicators in the world. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that she says is that we need to talk about climate change a lot more and that we really need to try and connect with people and the things they already care about to show them that they care about climate change because everything is going to be affected by climate change, everything we care about. So I guess I'd love to know what your take is on this. and how we can use the power of words to, to shift the tide of those climate conversations, whether that's, you know, with our families, our friends, the people closest to us, how can we best do that, do you think, in terms of the words we choose and how we do that?
0: Good question. Um, and this this might get me in some hot water here, but hopefully um, <laughs> what else is new? Uh, this this will, will hopefully make sense. Okay, so the very, very wonderful, inspiring and amazing especially considering her age, Greta Thunberg. She is fabulous. She's an example of someone who's out there, you know, spreading a message. She's talking at events. You know, she's she's getting out there. She's using her voice. She's using her words. And especially as a young person, that's really going to resonate with young people who, of course, are going to be left with all this long after us three have gone. Uh, what a lovely, you know, depressing thought for us there. <laughs> We've not got long left. But the problem with Greta is that a lot of people see it as preaching and this is what gets people's backs up. Not, not mine. I think she's great, but I can see why people are triggered by her. Now, admittedly, I think if you've got a thought process and you are so stuck with it, it doesn't matter what anyone's going to say. You're not going to change your view. I I do think that sadly, Um, I think there are some (laughs) drums you can keep beating forever and, uh, there's, there's never going to be a, a different response to it. But I think some people who are perhaps on the fence with things, they could hear someone like Greta and think they're being preached to or spoken down to or talked at, and people don't like that. So I think it's the job of, of us normal people to try and get our message across and get those facts across and get the impacts across about climate change and why it affects everything we care about it's not just about it's going to be snowing tomorrow and then 30 degrees the next day isn't that a bit strange it's about getting the impacts and the consequences across but doing it in a way where we can relate to people where we can communicate with them and where we can resonate so that they think oh that that makes sense to me that that message is just for me that makes sense to me and my family and the way I live my life because if we're just talking at people or you know preaching, as I said, no no one's going to listen. No one wants to be preached to. It's it's not fun, is it? It's I don't I, don't, I honestly don't think people respond well to it. It's why kids rebe- rebel in class, <laughs> isn't it? You yeah. know, I used to be a primary school teacher. If you yell at them, or just tell them that they are wrong and not why, and punish them without telling them or explaining to them or showing them why what they've done is wrong and the, the negative consequences it's going to have, they're not going to be interested they're just going to think oh, I'm being yelled at again or they're just going to start zoning it out tuning it out and that's that's a real problem because whilst we've got people who are don't believe in climate change i think the worst thing is when people are just totally apathetic to it they're just not interested because they're the people we could actually get through to if we just tried a little bit harder they're the people we could we could swing so to speak yeah, and I th- an
2: interesting thing that that's just triggered off in my head because, like, obviously you've mentioned Greta, and some people don't react well to her, and there's also that thing of sometimes adults won't like being told by a younger person either, will they? Yeah. And I think you know what we really need is is this team of people of all different personalities, all different genders, all different ages, where at least someone within that team is relatable to you, whoever you are. So, if you know, if you need a guy talking to you, fine. We've got David Attenborough, and we've got Catherine Hayhoe doing amazing stuff. We've got the younger version of Delaney and and um, Greta, you know, doing amazing stuff that they'll reach the kids more. So, yeah. I suppose that's where we're hoping to find our little niche that we can reach the families and the mums and the dads and the guardians and just in this more gentle, positive way. Because some people will need that, the, what we call the doom and gloom, to scare yeah. them into action, but others that stops the action it terrifies them and they you know you're paralyzed and that's yeah that's a really nice idea that there's a team a team out there
0: definitely definitely and and I think that's why celebrities are so important and I know there are a few out of them out there who don't believe in climate change and will happily voice up against it there seems to be a lot of high-profile middle-aged white men who really don't like Greta. They are so triggered by her. It's untrue. And I would ask myself the question, how is a teenage girl having this much of an effect on you in that way? Yes, You know, why? Ask yourself why you're so triggered by this young lady. And it's its quite amusing in, in a way um, that they just get so het up by, you know, she should have the audacity to speak. But you're right. I think a lot of that is because of the age as as well as as the fact that she's talking complete sense. Uh, They just don't like (laughs) it. Um, But that's why I think, yeah, having celebrities as part of that team is is possibly a good thing, but not just celebrities who, you know, turn up on an Instagram channel and go, yes, I I use this company because it's very eco-conscious or I listen to this podcast. And, you know, the the virtue signaling, we don't want that. We want people who will actually... You know, go to these drives and speak out on their own platforms and actually talk and actually have these conversations and start them off to show that it's so much more than a, a PR exercise for them. Because the cynical part of me does sometimes think that. I think, oh, do are you in support of this project or is it just because your agent said this will you know get, draw the attention that you've had a massive affair
2: yeah and then my uh, <laughs> the great <laughs> mother half often says that they say all this stuff and then jump on
1: their private jet so oh, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so a uh, slight change of tact then so joe why do you think it's important to help our kids to care for the planet
0: because as i said sally you know we're, we're, we've not got long have we you know not, not, us three in particular. I don't. <laughs> I don't know something you don't. I was
2: going to ask that? Yeah.
0: It's, it's a bit ominous. I, I appreciate. It. I've used my words inappropriately though. Yeah. It's not got long left, Sally. Uh, whoa! Looking over my shoulder right now. <laughs> no, yeah. There'll be a man that comes to the house and knocks on the door. <laughs> I've got a
2: hospital appointment today. I'm no wondering what that's about. <laughs> oh,
0: please, please text me when you're done. That's how so I know. That <laughs> Thank Will do. I'm Thank alive. You. Both <laughs> of you, please make me, let me know that you make me safely. So uh, whatever you choose today. Um, no, but, but as, as adults, you know, there's there's a lot we've got. We've got knowledge, we've got power, we've got wisdom, we've got resources that we can use. Um, you know, some of us have, have, have got money that we might invest into things, whether it's, uh, you know, donating to, to charitable causes that are having an impact or whether it's changing our consumer habits so that we have less of a of a carbon footprint. Um, you know, just things that we can do that we've got that um, kind of monopoly on because we're, we're, we're growing up. Um but our kids are the ones who are going to be the change makers of the future. They're the ones who are going to, they're going to suffer through, sadly, through all the, the things that are, are going to go wrong until we can make changes. They're going to see a decline in things. So they're going to live it in a much harsher, harsher reality than we are. Um, because at the moment, you know, we we just know about what can go wrong, what will go wrong, but they're actually going to feel it in the years that come and, so we need to be talking to them now so that this is this is a part of their dialogue, this is a part of their learning process, so that when they turn 40, it's not, oh, God, right, what's this all about? I should learn about this. Oh, what can I do? It needs to be part of the narrative of their lives so that they know what they can do and they know what they can hopefully inspire others to do or not do, as the case may be, so that they can hopefully make this change. And I was talking to one of my clients about this, um, who is, uh, she's she's big on leadership and equality and inclusivity in the workplace, but she's also writing some stuff on climate change and, and our role as business owners at the moment. And she said, we really need to put out these messages of hope because a lot of the stuff we're seeing at the moment is is the doom and gloom. And it kind of makes us think, well, it's, it's too late you know, the, the, what's the point? It's too late. It's going to happen now. So that's why we need to speak to our children and we need to speak to them in these hopeful tones rather than the, the doom and gloom. So not not about, oh, if we don't do this, this is going to happen. We need to frame our language and say, if we do act on this, this is how it's going to be better and give them that opportunity to, opportunity to be a part of something wonderful something that that really uh, regenerates recreates and, and brings a, a lot of hope yeah. if, uh, if that if that answers the question I hope it does oh,
2: absolutely it's spot on and to be honest it's totally aligned with what we're all about so I love that it's fantastic, it's fantastic. but yeah, one thing I was thinking about that with that is like you approach so much with humour and like we say your puns and okay, so you might not be approaching your daughter with the swears and the...
0: <laughs> well, how little you um, know, you, Kelly. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> but do you manage to approach it that way with your daughter really well then with like a bit more humour and the hope and and is that is it e- is it easy for you to do it that way because that's the way you approach a lot of life?
0: Yeah, it, it is. It is personally for me because like i said i don't think people want to be preached to um so i will always try to lighten mm. any subject a, at all it, it's like it i'm going going back to death um <laughs> because like let's keep this nice and light <laughs> um, <laughs> you just said about hope Joe. <laughs> no, i just said about hope now on to death <laughs> well <laughs> like when when someone oh god this this really paints me in a bad light um when someone dies, or if someone is dying, I, obviously, I've got the empathy for people. And I've got the sympathy for people, of course, I do. And I feel their pain. And I know what it's like. And I will always try to make a joke, always, or I will try to make light of something because I well, one, I don't know what to say that anyone else hasn't already said, you know, I'm sorry for your yes. loss, or things like that. I, and also, I think, When we're all saying the same things, I'm sorry, feel lost. How are you feeling? Is everything okay? Is there anything I can do to help? Everyone's already said it to people, so it kind of loses that impact. You know, if you say the same things over and over again, again, the power of words. If they're the same words constantly, they lose any kind of impact. They lose any kind of meaning. They they just become routine. And so, I do try to like make a joke or make light of things. Um, I it can go spectacularly wrong. obviously you know if there's someone there who is not open to the concept of of trying to you know, not not be cheered up you can't, I don't think you can cheer someone up in those situations can you but but just try to to bring some joy into their life if you can at a time when it's very very dark. So if I can if I'm going to do that with with death, I'm going to do it with everything else. I'm, I'm certainly going to try. I will make jokes. I will make light about things. I've sadly, I've been in the position of delivering uh, the eulogy for um, my nan on my mum's side and my granddad on my dad's side, and in both of them, I filled the damn things with jokes <laughs> and, and funny things that had happened because I wanted people to laugh. I wanted people to to break that tension and that sadness, and I wanted them to remember those lives with, with joy and think, oh, God, yeah, I do remember when she did that, and it was massively embarrassing. And So I, that's that's what I do. So humour is a, a massively powerful thing for me. And so, yeah, I do make – that does transcend to my, my child as well. We will joke about things, and she's at the age where she gets that things are jokes. So, um, like, just – we've gone on holiday – and they had recycling bins all around the complex, which I thought was excellent. I mean, some places don't even have bins, do they? And there's just litter everywhere. But but they had recycling bins. Here's your plastic. Here's your organic waste. And I was teaching Lily about the the different things, or I was trying to. And they'd color-coded things. And uh, like I said to her, oh, so the paper, because they have paper plates for the snacks and stuff. And I said, so the paper goes in the, the yellow bin. So whenever we have our plate and it's finished, We put it in the yellow bin, don't we? Because that's for paper and card. And she said, what what happens if we put it in the blue bin? And I said, well, it means you can never have snacks again. (laughs) I said that the yellow bin will be very upset that you didn't feed it with the paper plates. And the next time you go to get a snack, you won't be allowed to have one. And she kind of looks at me as though to say, "Okay, I know know that's crap, mom. I know you're making (laughs) it up. But it's that laughter that, you know, we'll share it together and for her it's still an answer isn't it it's still a conversation it's not just me going because we don't because we put it in the yellow bin because that's how we do it i'm not giving her the the this is just how it is i'm telling her why and yes as she's older i'll I'll explain more to her about how we do need to separate our materials up so they can be more uh, be recycled more effectively and more efficiently at the moment that's going to be too much for her though so if we can just make the joke that sticks in her head so the next time I could see it going through her head the next time she'd pick up some rubbish and take it to the appropriate bin I could see her thinking Oh, well, I know my mum's joking, but if I if I try and push this boundary of putting the paper plate in a different coloured bin, what if I never get another snack again? And of course, when you're four, that's the worst thing that can ever happen to you. Yeah, but you'll you'll never get snacks again. So it, it works. I do believe it works. Yeah.
2: Um, I just think, though, well, Jo, you are raising a nightmare when she starts to get her own back on you. <laughs> I can't wait for that day
0: <laughs> I am aware Helen I yes. am so aware I, I really am it's it's terrifying um you mean you, you said it yourself in in my bio at the, yep. the start of the podcast I I do have this this fear about who I'm raising because whilst <laughs> whilst I do I want this confidence knowledgeable stands up for the right stuff you know sense of justice you know powerful girl who knows to to use her words and to be mindful about her actions and and to know that she's got this this power whilst I want that out in the world I don't want it under my roof <laughs> because it's, it's so it's so challenging and you know at steam my other half sits yeah. there with this bloody smirk on his face as though to say well this is your fault. <laughs> and it, is. it is. And it's like when she's, when she's 20 and she's out in the world, this girl is going to have no issues whatsoever. No. But right now we've both got issues because we are <laughs> yeah, just, we're, we're so alike. And she, she does have a go at me. So like, whenever I say to her, Lily you must pick up that glass with two hands, You must two hands. And I'll say to her, because I don't want you to drop it. Cause if you drop it, you'll spill your milk and then you'll have no milk left. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll both have to tidy it up and that means we'll be late going to the park so for me it's all about saying why yeah you know we, we too too often with our kids we're like don't do that without telling them why without giving them a reason without giving them a, a consequence that they can then weigh up in their own head so that if they still go ahead and do it you can say well you knew what was going to happen totally you have the so. choice <laughs> yeah. and you to make the wrong one so I'll constantly say two hands two hands but it means I cannot pick up Anything in this house at all without Lily going two hands? Like, what well, an idiot! You know, if I'm doing things with two hands as a as a grown woman, she's like two hands, mommy. Oh, two no. hands, or you know, don't, don't mess with your food. Like if I'm having a phone conversation whilst trying to eat a sandwich, you know, she should be like, no, put the phone down. Focus <laughs> on the sandwich. Oh, so you can play. She's with amazing. I love her. She's great. like I said, she's amazing. Two other people oh, but yeah. to deal with her. Gosh. <laughs> created this monster this blonde monster well really. you have
2: you have but gosh she's adorable and yeah i do get the feeling that she is really gonna do good when she's older she's gonna like you say really be stand up for what she believes and stuff and take after her mum. <laughs> I, I,
0: I do hope so i just i just hope you know it's it's not while she's physically in this house yes
2: so that that does tie <laughs> on to what a question that we've been asking everyone actually which what do you want your legacy to be um because obviously your daughter is a big part of that but is there other
0: things as well um I I do oh well I, I hope that she'll grow up into a, a world of role models whatever that might look like mm-hmm. to her you know, role models aren't one size fits all. We're different things to different people. I hope she will grow up with positive role models who she can relate to, who she's inspired by, and who she wants to follow in the footsteps of. And I don't know who that's going to be or what cause that uh, that is going to lead her to support. Um, but I, I hope in some way, you know, she does look back and think, oh, I I remember my mum taught me that, or I remember my mum told me about this. And, And like I said, it's about not just saying, don't do that, or this is wrong, or we can't have that. It's about explaining why and giving the reasons and sharing the consequences the good and bad consequences so it's not just about we can't do this because this will happen and it's bad it's about well actually Lily if we do this then this will happen and that will mean everything's a lot nicer because there are good consequences to things and I hope certainly in terms of the environment and uh, climate change global warming there are things we can do to affect positive change rather than just slowing things down or, or halting them temporarily, uh, or stopping further bad things from happen happening. There's it, about positive things we can do. So I hope she will look at these lessons and think back with them fondly. I hope if like if something happened to me, I hope if she's got to, you know god, oh god this is awful I know but I'd hope if in many 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 years if she's got to stand up at my funeral and give my eul- eulogy. I, I hope she brings the house down. I hope she makes people laugh. I hope she says, you know, I've got to remember my mum telling me this. And I, I hope that she thinks, yeah, because because that, that's important. And although we joked about it, it's, it's important. And I, I want to go out there and, kind of follow on in in those footsteps not all the footsteps some of the things I do are bloody awful and I don't (laughs) follow those but in terms of things like climate change and the environment I'd hope I'm doing some good and I'd hope she will follow in that in that pathway but hopefully that funeral is a long way off I was
2: gonna say that Joe. this (laughs) is the second call in a week where you've been talking about your funeral positivity and hope are the key things that are pulling I think people through and yeah we'll leave it on that rather than death (laughs)
0: <laughs> skillfully done like you,
2: yeah. well played if that's all right with you we'll, 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 we'll give you the
0: final word yeah
2: <laughs> thanks so much for joining us this week we really hope this episode inspired you
1: if it did please review subscribe and share this episode with a curious friend it makes it possible for us to keep having these conversations for you. Oh, and check out the
2: show notes for more details on this episode and our guest.
1: And come say hi to us on Instagram over at be the future.earth, where we share real tips for real parents and help you to turn eco-anxiety into playful action. Let's
2: hope, act and thrive.